This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. You're listening to Radio Hawks Bay on 104.7 FM, 1431 AM, streaming across the world at www.radiohawksbay.org.nz. This is the Women's Refuge program. My pleasure, as always, to have Julie Harton from the Women's Refuge right here in Hastings. How are you going, Julie? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, this is our last program for 2022. We've had some fabulous conversations over the year. Before we get into today's topic, which is our violence and the effect it has on children, just remind our listeners, uh, if we need the refuge, how do we get in contact? Um, so the easiest way, no matter where you are in the country, is 0800 Refuge. And from there, you follow the prompts and it could take you to any district in Aotearoa. It'll take it right down to us in Hawke's Bay. And then you'll have the option of Family VIP Services Women's Refuge, which is us, or the Māori Service Te Whare Porotu. Now, we're in December and it's, of course, it is the season of goodwill to all men. And uh, as we know, not necessarily the case. No, it's not. So so while I enjoy a fantastic Christmas with my whanau, my um, siblings who we're all in sort of 50 and up, and then our children and then our grandchildren, we have a, a great time, we get together, we share um, time together, the mm. most valuable part of it, um, and of course do the presents for the younger ones and things like that. But there are a lot of families, sadly, who do not get to do that, do not get to spend time with family, but actually get to spend time um, living in a woman's refuge safe house mm. over the Christmas period. So I'm very aware of of um, both ends of the ruler and yes. um, do our best to provide what we can for the families we're supporting at this time. What sort of effect does uh, family violence and, and that's a good point that you make, what sort of effect does it have on children who have to end up at the refuge with their mum? Um, so one of the saddest things I ever encountered is a few years back we needed to get a tradesperson in to put up some health and safety signs and two guys arrive in their van and they're doing the work and when one of the guys went to leave he couldn't find his mate, he couldn't find him anywhere um, and he came over and said you know have you seen him? I said no but long story short we went round the back of our shed and he was actually around there crying mm. and we're like you okay? And he goes Oh, I'm really sorry. Um, when I walked into the house and I saw the stairwell, it brought back the memory that I was here when I was a child. Oh, wow. And he had immediately been triggered mm. um, and um, somewhat traumatised by the realisation this memory had brought back to him. But he talked about um, when he came to the safe house as a young boy, how much he liked it because it was safe. Yes. And he apparently he had a soak in the bath at the refuge and he was the best experience of his Mm -hmm. life because nobody told him to hurry up and get out of that bath nobody told him he was wasting hot water Mm. he didn't he said the best thing though is he didn't have to lie in the bath listening to his mother scream Mm. and wonder if she would be alive when he came out of the bathroom so I'll never forget that story Um, it had all of us in tears including the Mm. workmate who was originally looking for him Um, but it was first-hand experience that here is this grown man that's got a family of his own um, and was immediately triggered by that memory of what it was to to be in refuge. The memory, the tears were about 
the happiness yes. of being in the refuge. There's an old adage, and uh, it's obviously completely wrong, and, and that is that kids get over things because they are kids, and uh, it's just a moment in their life, and uh, they have ways of dealing with things, and they get over it. It's not true, is it? Um, no, not true at all. And um, We tend to hear things like, you know, well, the kids didn't know they were down their room, um, the kids are resilient, all that kind of thing. It doesn't affect them. It absolutely does affect mm. them. One of the, I brought with me a sheet of statistics today because I, it blew me away when the police provided it with me two days ago. But the police gave me the statistics on one week of family co- family harm call-outs mm. by police across Hastings and Napier. And in this week that they've measured, across Napier there were 84 call-outs um, to family harm incidents, and in Hastings there was 90. Of the 84 in Napier, now this is what they re- refer to as vulnerable tamariki, so these children are under the age of seven, there were 40 of those under sevens present at these incidences Mm. in Napier, and in Hastings there was 34. So every week, um, around about 74 children are living the trauma of violence that is to such a degree in their home Mm. that police are having to attend. Police don't attend every home where violence is happening, so there's another uh, even bigger number sitting out there that we don't um, know about. I worked in this field for a long, long time, but even when those figures are put in front of me, it has an effect. Um, And yeah, my heart breaks that these children Mm. are experiencing what they're experiencing. Um, and particularly at under the age of seven, it's it affects their brain development. That's mm. the most informative years um, from birth, some say pre-birth, but from birth to <clears throat> seven or eight years old, um, you know, life impression is being imprinted yes. on these children. You probably will. I certainly do remember the TV series some years ago where uh, they ran a series of um, documentaries on children and uh what came out of it was, give me the child till the age of seven and I'll show you the adult. Mm-hmm. And then they followed these children every seven years until they became adults. And in the main, I have to say, it was true. So uh, these children that you're dealing with, uh, who coming from homes that are full of violence, are they the sort of children that will perpetuate the violence or it, can they break out of that? Um, both. So it can perpetuate the, the violence. They can become the victim of other people's violence, mm-hmm. they can become the violent one. Um, if you have a look at schoolyard bullying, mm. the chances are there's violence going on at home. Those who are the victims often have low self-esteem and that might be that violence is going on at home for them as well. But at some point in the journey, whether whether from, from seven years old or 70 years old, they can make a choice not to be that way. Yes. So it, it can go both. Some do that, you know, my father was terrible, and I'm going to talk mum and dad because it draws mm-hmm. that family picture, but no matter what your family yes. looks like, um, you know, you do have ones that go, I'm never going to be like my father, mm-hmm. and they manage to never be like their yes. father. You get some who go, I'm not going to be a victim like mum because they see mum as... A victim mm. when you don't particularly understand the dynamics um, and make that choice never to be a victim. Some of them end up being victims even though they do make that choice. Some of them end up being offenders even if they do make that choice because the brain development yes. has taught them no other way to be. Um, so it, it it's the effect goes on for a lifetime, yeah. basically. 
A lot of things, uh, not that you make it sound easy, uh, it's not just what you're saying there, but when you read things uh, in black and white and people like yourself who are professionals in your game are talking about that sort of stuff, it does sound so easy, doesn't it? Well, it's your choice, but it's not as simple as reading about it or having someone say to you, it's your choice, you can change. No, absolutely. And for those who are the violent person, chances are they grew up where dad or granddad or, or whoever the significant adult was in their life was behaving like that. It's kind of like, you know, I taught my daughter how to skip. Mm. She goes on to teach her daughter how to yes. skip. Um, and my grandsons, actually. <clears throat> but if I taught my daughter to be violent and aggressive, chances are she would be teaching my grandchildren how mm. to be violent and aggressive. If I taught my daughter to um, just be quiet and be, sit in a corner and don't make any noise and don't move, then that is likely what she would be doing in her mm. adult life. She was lucky. She's got a mum like me who is strong and assertive and, yes. and is okay to push back on people and yeah, say that is not right. okay. Yes, We're indeed. not going to have that behaviour. Uh, but not everybody has that. I had a dad who taught me you should be treated like a queen. Mm. So that's where I got my skills in life from. So it definitely has an effect and a long-lasting impact. So those who say it never affected my children, um, my children don't see it, they're in their room, it does affect them, it absolutely affects them, and it is a ripple effect that can go on for generations. Where did your dad get this skill from to say to you, you're a princess and that's exactly how you should be treated? Was it a learned, um, a learned skill that he had? I mean, did he come from a loving family that taught him that, hey, you're the prince and yeah, that's exactly how you should be treated? Um, I can only assume, so I lost my dad when I was quite young, so so my memory of having conversations mm. with him has faded quite a bit. But I do know that he was a child in World War Two times. Mm. And so even if you were a boy child, you knitted, you sewed, you made socks for the um, army, that kind of thing. Mm. So you learnt compassion, you learnt and taught empathy, all those kinds of things. And that got passed on to me as a child and my five siblings mm. that you know be service to other people mm -hmm. be be compassionate empower other people to do the right thing so again I had I was lucky in having that not everybody has that particularly if they are living in a home where um, violence is happening that's not the first time you've used that story and in the time that we've been together and uh, it obviously made a very big impression on you, that statement from your dad. Um, is that part of who you are today, what your dad said to you? Absolutely. Um, and, and there were many other things that he said that were very empowering of us girls, empowering of our brothers. Because while he's teaching us girls to be, you know, be treated like a queen, he's teaching his sons to treat women like mm. queens. So all six of us have very good lives with loving families and loving relationships and I'm very proud of that and absolutely credit that to my dad. I wonder around, myself included in this statement I'm about to make is that we presume that our children are going to pick up a lot of uh, our traits by osmosis. You know, for instance, um, I'd have to say that uh, I, I would think that I uh, treat my wife well and treat my daughters well but I don't ever recall sitting down and saying, you know, don't let any guy talk to you um, in any other way than what you're learning at home. Probably we could learn a lesson there, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes those lessons aren't verbal. Mm. It's in watching. So mm. if somebody watches 
the behaviour of their dad who has stopped and helped a woman in the car park because she's mm. struggling to open her door to put baby in the baby seat and he stops to open the door and help her out. All that is giving you those same life lessons. It's not necessarily writing a novel or sitting down with them and giving hours of lectures on how to be a human being. We often do it by example. Um, So what we want is good examples. Mm. Have those good examples. Have the examples of helping a woman who's struggling to put baby in the baby seat by holding her door open. Um, Don't don't make the example of screaming it at your partner because she hasn't got the door open getting the baby in the back seat. I wonder, yeah, we're probably talking about, if we if we talked about percentages uh, or statistics, um, probably if we're talking about 90% of the population might be like we're talking about now, they will open the door, they will help someone. But how do you get those messages through to the uh, percentage of people that you're dealing with on a daily basis? I mean, it sounds so simple, it sounds like common sense, but it obviously isn't to a lot of people. So how do you start preaching the message to them that, hey, what you're doing isn't okay. This is what you should be doing because, like I say, sounds easy, but it ain't. No, that's right. And if you've got somebody in the home who is violent and they're not doing anything on that behaviour, they're not willing to, to look at that, will even accept that the behaviour is actually their mm. issue. Um, the children tend to look for significant others. When you feel unsafe at home, you look for a place to feel safe. So for some children, that's school. Mm. So if they've got a school teacher who is demonstrating what it is to be kind and considerate, that's a great start. If they've got a um, nana or granddad who are showing them love and compassion and how to be good people, the the family next door who they get Mm. to watch being loving and caring towards each other, it's it's a whole society. We make heroes out of bad people sometimes, and I used the example before. But the chef who yells and screams at everybody Gordon and calls Ramsey, them yep. very bad names, um, when, you, when you're watching that, it kind of makes that behaviour acceptable. Mm. It's TV likes to yes. show those kinds of things when you watch even Master Chef and programmes like that really hype up yes. the horrible person on the mm. show and show that bad behaviour. When we do that and we forget to show the goodness, the kindness, the caring parts of it, how to empower people, how to be empathetic um, people are getting a very skewed picture but if if the violent person in the home isn't the right example and it's your grandchild it's your niece or nephew then then you do it you say look hey how about you come with us this Saturday we're going to go and play the Alice in Wonderland game that's happening in Napier let's all go and do that and show that kindness Unfortunately, of course, some of us don't want little Johnny to return home, but the reality is that that he has a family who's there um, and responsible for him who aren't being as responsible as they should be. It's okay to offer offer some. And actually, if you're the uncle and that's your brother, sit your brother down. Sit your brother down and say, hey, look, mate, I've been watching little Johnny and I'm watching him deteriorate. He is coming up to nine years old. I can see he's got depression. I can see he's got trust issues. I can see all the effects that your behaviour is having on him. What can I do to help you be a better man in your family? And must also get in the heads of uh, children, particularly if you're taking them away out of that situation just for one day and giving them a great time, knowing they've got to go back. What does that do to their heads? Yeah, it, it is hard. Um, the thing with the kids is they're okay to go home yeah. because they love mum and they mm. love dad. They just don't like the violence. Mm. It depends on their age as well because they 
if they're at a certain age, they feel helpless because they've got no power to stop it. So they don't want the violence to be happening, but they have no power in this home mm. to stop it. When they get a little bit older and teenage years, they might think, you know, I'm going to have a go at stopping this, might make it a very unsafe place for them to be. But they love mum and dad. Mm. And even if mum decides to leave the relationship and they go off with mum, they still love dad. So they yes, still want that relationship with dad. And nobody is saying that that family should be broken up and, and mm. kept apart entirely forever. Um, but finding the right, the right help for um, young ones as well. A friend of mine... She had been in a violent relationship for a wee while, quite some time actually, and she never made the decision to leave until her teenage daughter came to her and her teenage daughter had been self-harming. Mm, wow. She was cutting herself. Mm. And she said to mum, I need to show you this and showed the cuts on her arms. And mum said, why are you doing that? And she said, because dad is so horrible to you mm. and I can't stop him. I have no power over that, wow. but I have power over self-harming. It was devastating for her mum. Um, but with that, her mum made the decision that she had to be out of the relationship. So um, it had a good outcome. But what a terrible state to be in, the effect that the violence had had on that young girl to get to a point where she is, is self-harming. is um, You know, it's not too late, but if we could get in at a much earlier stage yeah. and get this violence stopped, get help in for the family, uh, would be a better outcome for everybody. That is a very sobering story indeed. But again, how do you how do you get them to take action? Uh, you know, we we hear those stories over and over again that people go back and go back and go back. I think it's seven times, isn't it, before they they finally make the decision to 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 finally leave. But when do you start thinking about the effect that it's having on the children, and think I'm going to do it right now? Yeah, it, it's a hard one because we're all human beings with a right to make our own choices. Mm. And in and, and my role, that has been the hardest thing to combat for all these years because they do have their own choices to make. If I feel that little Johnny is at risk, then I will say to mum, okay, you're going back and I understand that, but little Johnny is at risk and so I'm going to need to make a notification mm. to Oranga Tamariki. But the difference with us, and, and I wouldn't recommend that non-professionals tell people they're gonna make a notification, mm. it can go yeah. wrong. Um, but in my role, I say, look, we're gonna make a notification. Sometimes that's enough to jolt mum to go, you know, I hadn't thought, I hadn't really seen it as being that serious or that much effect. And so it can have them stop and think about it. The other thing too is that mum that we work with, often it gives them the opportunity to blame us for not returning to the relationship. Mm. So, no, I've left because Refuge was going to report me to wow. to social welfare, yes. if you're of the older terms. Yes. Um, and I was at risk at losing little Johnny. So because of Julie at Refuge, yes. I'm leaving you. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. If she are. needs that. Police officers, the women might say, you know, I didn't have a choice. The police mm. officer told me if I didn't, then this would happen. If you're a family member, it's a lot harder because you love... You love your brother, your sister, whatever relationship it is. It is a lot harder. But you, as the brother or sister, can give us a call. Mm. Let us help talk you through a plan, even if it's just a safety plan for your sister. Um, and being talking to her about, look, well, when you do need to leave, let's think about these things. Where are you going to go? What you'll need in the way of identification and bank 
cards and those mm. kinds of things. So by all means, if you know somebody who's experiencing violence and you just want to have a bit of a, you know, what do I do conversation, yep. give us a call. How do you find the courage? I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying, but how does the average person find the courage to approach someone in their family who they think is great, the bee's knees, and they've heard that, hey, you know, he's a proper so-and-so behind closed doors. How would you suggest that they do approach them? Yeah, and we call them courageous conversations because mm. it does take courage. And it's having having the script ready in your head so it's not reactionary. So you're not going, listen here, sister, mm. you, I've told you before and you won't leave him and now look what's happened. That's not going to get anyone anywhere. But to sit someone down and say, look, I love you. I love you. You're my sister. I'm really concerned about you. And I want to know how I can help you um, address this violence in your relationship. I wouldn't even su suggest at that point they should leave. Mm -hmm. Try and get your sister to tell you what she wants. And if she says, but I love him and I want to stay with him, then you go, okay, well, how do we get a safety plan in place mm. for you and the children? How about we talk to Refuge and get them to help walk us through a, a safety plan and keep using things like us and we yeah. so that she doesn't feel alone. As soon as you judge, she the conversation will end. Any, yeah. any ability you had to help will end. So if you say something like, you know, well, it's it's your fault because you stayed with him, then that's conversation yes, over. exactly. If you go, I can't understand why you do this, conversation mm -hmm. over um, because of course you can't but she doesn't want to hear that yeah so it's about what do you want sister and how can I help you achieve it so as a concerned family member who does make that approach or a friend um, what's the follow-up so we have the initial courageous conversation and uh, you put your point of view forward say look we're here for you and yeah, we, you, we could go to the refuge and if they decide mm, I'm gonna stay what do you do after that sometimes what I find um, with some friends or family is it becomes a bit like that taboo that there seems to be around talking about people's mental health mm. you know somebody says I've got problems with my mental health and we're like oh gosh that's terrible mm. and then we don't want to talk that's about it again because we're uncomfortable <laughs> it's right. not our forte we're yes. not skilled in it so we just avoid the conversation don't avoid the conversation the next time you have coffee with sister so how are things going has it improved mm. is there anything I can help you with now don't forget if I'm here if you need me and just keep doing that. Don't know if people have ever tried to give up smoking, mm -hmm. and when it became a thing that you shouldn't smoke, every time you go to the nurse, they ask you, have you stopped smoking? You should stop smoking, all those kinds of things. They can say that a thousand times, yeah. but until I'm ready to give up smoking, which might be the thousand and first time, yes. um, it's gonna make no difference. But what it does do, it's gonna make no difference in me stopping at that point, but mm. what it does do is it gives me the information I need so when I'm ready to make that decision, I know exactly who I can go to to get help for it. So mm. I can go back to the doctor and say, oh, can you give me that quit line number again? Yeah. Because all along they have shown an interest and said they can help. It's the same with us. If you might say to your sister, the first, the second, the third, the 15th time, don't forget, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Now, uh, it's just about out of time, but we're coming into a, a holiday season. As we record this program, it is December and uh, we're coming up to Christmas, but it seems to be the same with our, any holiday time period that the level of uh, the need for your services increases. What, is, what are a couple of your top tips to help people get through the season? Um, if 
if for those who are the violent person, if you are one of these people who say, oh, I'm only violent when I drink, don't drink. Mm -hmm. If you are f someone who says, oh, I'm only violent because I'm stressed, don't stress, find yeah. different ways of being. So if the stress is I don't have enough money to buy the PlayStation they want, face the fact they're not getting the PlayStation. Yeah. And in fact, what they probably need more so is just quality time. Mm. So take those pressures off yourself. If you are the one who is affected by someone being violent, um, make a safety plan. Refuge is open 24-7 throughout New Year, Christmas period, right through into 2023. Um, shocking to know we're getting to 2023 oh, yeah, already. Um, it, just give us a call, have a safety plan in place, have a bag that's got your yeah. identification, your medication, um, a few things that you might need that we wouldn't be able to supply you with. Mm -hmm. We can give you nappies and food parcels and a bit of clothing and things like that. But if it's something like medication that we yeah. cannot provide and there's going to be doctors will be closed and things like that, make sure you have those in a safe place that which you can just pick it up and come away. Your bank card, your identification, things like that. If you can have a spare phone somewhere that is charged up and hidden, it's good to have as well because often one of the first things that happen is the offender snatches the phone away mm. or breaks the phone so that you can't call for help. I don't want to have it all sound like doom and gloom, no. uh, but unfortunately in my role, that's what we have to, yes, to plan for. But I hope people do have a good Christmas. I hope that those who have got an anger issue are um, working on that and, and have a um, dedication to providing the best Christmas and holiday period that they can. Good on Julie, uh, it's been my pleasure talking with you over this last year. You have a very Merry Christmas, put your feet up, a bit of R&R, &R. we'll look forward to talking to you next year. He's hoping, thank you. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.